I think we're going to see an evolution from thinking about digital health as a cost, you know, cost center, and really focusing on the return on investment. What will that in return be when we move to the digital age, when we embrace these tools and start doing things more efficiently and providing better care? This is Voices of Public Health, the JSI podcast. Thank you for joining us here today at JSI's podcast series featuring FHI 360. Today, we'd like you to meet Steve Olis and Trinity Zan, who are the outgoing co-chairs for the Global Digital Health Network. The Global Digital Health Network envisions a world where technical innovation supports improved health and quality care, accessibility and sustainability of health services and health outcomes for underserved populations in low resource environments. My name is Milana Hislop, and I am a communications coordinator over at JSI, and please allow me to introduce Steve and Trinity. Welcome, you two, and thank you for joining me today. Great. Thank you, Milana. Uh, thanks for having us here. Uh, I'm Steve Allis. I'm a senior digital health advisor in JSI's Center for Digital Health. And hello, I'm Trinity Zan. I'm Associate Director of Research Utilization at FHI 360. Very happy to be with you all today. Thanks again, guys. So Steve and Trinity, the GDHN has created this great digital health community. Can you tell me what is JSI's history and role and how has that been complementary for both JSI and FHI 360? Thank you, Milana. Uh, in 2009, the M Health Working Group was started and that has since grown into the Global Digital Health Network. And this was started by a group of 17 organizations working in public health globally who were seeing the potential in using digital health to improve their programs. And we've moved from mHealth or mobile health of provide, using phones to provide health services to digital health, really encompassing things like electronic medical records and tablets, computers, and artificial intelligence. So even the change in name shows some of the evolution of the field. And we were formed as a group to bring people working in this space together share knowledge, share best practices, and really try to help demonstrate to the field what was possible and share that information so that other people could learn from this rather than having to create things on their own. And JSI was an initial member and has been on the advisory council since the inception and has been a sponsor of multiple global digital health uh, forums. And, and this really worked well for us because we had started at the time was the M Health Center internally within JSI as a way to bring in people just across JSI to share some of this information. And so it's been very valuable to have a then global group of peers to be able to connect with. And since uh, 2017, uh, I came in as co-chair. And so that was another nice way for JSI to show their leadership in this space. And then just stepped down here in 2020, bringing in two new co-chairs. Uh, Trinity, how about for you? Thanks, Steve. Similar to JSI, FHI 360 was among those founding organizations of the M Health Working Group Advisory Council. And it was really a great opportunity for us at the time like many organizations, we were getting excited about this new possibility, the new technology and the opportunities that they offered. And we were really active in the research space. So we were doing a lot of the initial and seminal research around using mobile phones to provide information and services. We were also working on a USAID knowledge management project called Knowledge for Health, which had a mandate to synthesize and share 
and facilitate exchange related to a variety of topics, including digital health or mHealth at the time. And so there was a really great opportunity for us to be involved, both to learn from other people, to hear what they're doing, to bounce our ideas related to research questions off of those others, but also to help support the community to bring together learnings and evidence into specific tools and resources, which the M Health Working Group did um, and continues to do now. And so FHI was a part of some of those initial resources like the M Health Planning Guide, um, an M Health 101 course on the USAID um, e-learning platform, and some of the early versions of the M Health High Impact Practices in Family Planning briefs. So it was a fantastic opportunity for us, and I was thrilled to come on as co-chair alongside Steve and continue FHI360's leadership in this space uh, while also continuing to learn from all of our, our great peers around the world. Thank you uh, to you both. That was very insightful and actually leads me to my next question. So as you reflect on your positions as co-chairs over the last two years, what changes has the field seen during your time as leaders? Why don't I jump in there then first, and Steve will compliment and, and take, it, take it afterwards. Um, we've seen a lot of changes, no doubt, uh, particularly in the field of digital health. Change is so rapid, um, but, but in addition to the technological advancements, which uh, clearly, as, as Steve mentioned, over more than the past two years, we've evolved from mHealth to digital health and a range of technologies. Um, we've also evolved as a field in our own maturity, both globally um, in terms of synthesized evidence and guidance and guidelines that are being produced, as well as at country levels where there's really been a consolidation from you know, independently implemented digital interventions to uh, a, a focus on specific policies that dictate and guide how digital can be applied to support the health sector. And with that, coordination so that folks at a country level are not doing things independently, but rather are talking to each other, learning how they can build on what exists and how they can complement and, and grow um, both the evidence base and the, the implementation space. So I think those are a couple of ways that we've really seen just the past couple of years, so, some keen advancements. But Steve, I'll hand it over to you for your thoughts. Sure, thanks Trinity. And I think just touching on what you talked about, that, that maturity, um, you know, we, we started where things were done on very small scale. Uh, people were just doing pilots and then there was this disease called pilotitis that affected our field where it felt like there were too many pilots that couldn't make it to scale and people were recreating the same projects and maybe not necessarily generating uh, evidence or generating any new evidence. And since then, we've really seen things move con more consistently to, to scale and sharing of those best practices through uh, some of these guidance documents and these frameworks and toolkits uh, with organizations like WHO, DFID, and USAID uh, providing really great overarching uh, guides on how, how these things should be done, how things should be done globally, as well as how uh, funders and uh, government should be thinking about these. And I think this has also fallen under the umbrella of the, the principles for digital development, which had been in the works for some time, but really in the last few years have gone from high level principles to now having a really rich base of tools and resources that organizations can apply to ensure that their digital projects are actually following these best practices consistently. 
separately from the technology components and some of the tools that have been available has really been more of a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, really to make sure that we are not only reaching everyone with these digital tools, but that we are hearing from a wider variety of viewpoints and leaders in this field who can really shape the direction of where digital health and the entire field of public health can move forward. And this has really been operationalized by our engagement with the Network of Networks, which is a group of regional digital health and e-health networks that have come together to share information across geographies and across the globe to make all of our networks and organizations stronger. So given that you've seen this expansion over time, what would you describe as having the biggest impact on digital health? And what would you say has been your impact as co-chairs? Sure, it's, it's difficult to, uh, to answer that question about you know, our, our impact as, as co-chairs because of course, as a, an organization and even as a co-chair, we, we never operate alone. Uh, so of course, Trinity and I work together and we drew on the, the great work of the advisory council, those uh, other now up to uh, 16 organizations that were working alongside us, and also the board for the Global Digital Health Network for guidance. And we had experiences from four prior co-chairs to, to build from. So that really, you know, that's a, such a great community to, to draw from. But I think looking at some of the things that, that Trinity and I worked on over the last, the last few years, one was really, I think, putting aside our organizational hats. Um, you know, I work at JSI, Trinity works at FHI 360 in the advisory council. Everyone is represented as, a, as an organizational member, but we really do put that aside and try to work together for what's best for the field. And it's really been great to, to see that kind of collaboration uh, you know, continue. I think the expansion of the, the network, as I mentioned, uh, from you know, low thousands to nearly 4,000 members has been a, a big accomplishment. And I think particularly you know, growing up as an organization, although we had been around for 11 years, we uh, didn't actually exist as a separate entity. So finally, um, in this last year, we established the Global Digital Health Network as an independent 501c3, and we're able to secure funding for the operations for our first year. So I think that's been a key one. And then really uh, moving beyond just our own network and that reaching out to the other regional networks and other communities of, of interest through something called the Network of Networks. And so that's been another, I think, key accomplishment that we are now beginning to formalize through those other networks, but to really show how different networks in this space each have their own role, but can also really come together and really have an exponential impact on the work that we're all trying to do. Uh, Trinity, what do you think? I completely 100% agree. And just to pick up on a few of those threads, many of our listeners may have already experienced making the transition to a 501c3, but it is no piece of cake. And I really applaud and commend the advisory council members for both supporting that initiative and chipping in to make it happen. We had a small group of us who really focused on that and made it a priority over the two-year span that Steve and I were co-chairs. And I think that it was really important because it forced us to do a number of things to really mature in our own governance models and to learn how to not just go through 
uh, IRS, <laughs> IRS tax paperwork, um, but to really refine what it is that we feel like our mission and vision are and our value add as a nonprofit in this space. And I think that that was a really valuable exercise and that will serve the network well in the coming years. And I think it relates to the other points, which is that in so doing, we wanted to really reach out and bring in more voices. And through particularly the network of networks that Steve mentioned, I think we're learning how to both support our colleagues who have similar regional focused networks, but also to identify where we can still add value in a global knowledge exchange um, space. And I think that that also is really valuable and shines, um, kind of shines through in the quality and diversity of content that we've been able to put forth both again in our monthly meetings and particularly in the forum and I think some of the feedback we received from last year's forum which as Steve mentioned was the largest was that the diversity uh, of topics covered and speakers presented was the best so far and we really intend to continue that trend and for this year which will actually be a digital event as is the case with many things right now we are looking forward for that to continue and even with our theme which is really making digital work for everybody so i think that's an area where steve and i can feel proud alongside all of our advisory council members and our board members and uh, will continue to support our incoming co-chairs as they move forward in that direction it seems that over this period you've been able to make some significant contributions globally so given that what do you believe is in the future of digital health i can jump in I think that we will continue the trends of maturity in regards to policies and policy environments and uh, regulations and really uh, just levels of um, maturity within countries to feel like they are, are coordinating and really driving and guiding the digital health work that's going on in their countries, uh, as opposed to some of the approaches that ha had occurred in early days with that pilotitis and with a lot of siloed donor-driven initiatives. I think we're all really coming together to understand that countries are in the driver's seats and we as implementing organizations are here to support that. I also think the technology side of things will continue to evolve drastically as it always does. I am a, a public health person and less a technologist, although of course over my past 10, 11, 12 years in this space, I've learned a lot and learned a lot of names and acronyms and softwares and all of that. But I, I think it's going to be mind blowing the rate at which we see things like AI coming into play in a variety of countries, both when it comes to directly interacting with individuals as well as these broader systems level uh, services uh, for things like electronic medical records and making connections between different types of services. So I have no doubt that we are going to see more and more of that with a particular kind of acceleration that is and was the result of COVID-19 really pushing us in that direction. Um, Steve, what kinds of things do you see on the horizon? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, uh, you know, I wanted to pick up on what you'd said around uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. I mean, these, these tools are there and they're going to continue to be prominent in this space. 
I think that uh, we will you know, continue to see these these types of approaches uh, taken on as a way to uh, try to address a lot of the health systems challenges in this space. But I think we're also going to be grappling with a little bit of that debt uh, of some of the unfinished work before we were still just working with paper data collection and even to electronic data collection, much less before we start using algorithms to uh, to analyze this, which is the work that we need to continue to do on standards, data use, and data quality, particularly at the points of data collection. So we have these wonderful tools that can produce some amazing analysis, but again, we still need to really continue to know that the work is not done there until we have the individuals, whether they're in communities making their own health-seeking decisions or the providers or health systems managers using this data, good quality data, to make the types of decisions they need to improve health outcomes for everyone. Um, I think another few areas would be on uh, cross-sectoral investment, so really more of an e-government approach instead of an e-health approach, where a lot of the foundational infrastructure around policies, around uh, skills and capacity building in this field, uh, around things like servers and routers and even just bandwidth and devices can be leveraged across sectors, so education, health, water and sanitation, um, and be seen in that way rather than as a stovepiped uh, health intervention. And I think another aspect is really going to be an improvement of the evidence that Trinity had touched on earlier, and really a different way of thinking about digital health. I think in addition to pilotitis, often the next thing that people talked about was, oh, cost. How much is digital health going to cost? Without really thinking about, well, how much is business as usual costing us? So I think we're going to see an evolution from thinking about digital health as a cost, you know, a cost center, and really focusing on the return on investment. What will that in return be when we move to the digital age, when we embrace these tools and start doing things more efficiently and providing better care? So I think it's going to be a shift in the way that we look at these areas. Yeah, Steve, you know, you made me think of another thing too, which is as that evidence base grows and shifts and people ask different questions related to cost and cost effectiveness, and also as, as countries continue to mature, I think there will be another focus on how we continue to serve the most vulnerable, a topic of discussion in the digital health community and the digital community uh, more broadly is always, who are we leaving out with these technologies? Sometimes they are opportunities to reach people who aren't normally reached, particularly when we think about youth and certain areas like reproductive health, where there are a lot of barriers that they face in accessing information and services. However, we do still know that there is not equitable access across the board. And so I think as countries mature and develop frameworks, policies, guidelines, recommended interventions, there will also be an examination of what do we recommend for reaching X population and what do we recommend for reaching Y population and if we haven't figured out how we reach Y population with the, these digital technologies there will be um, an increased focus on that I think. So that's um, another area where I anticipate a lot of future discussion uh, and investment of resources and time. Yeah, Trinity, I, I agree. And I think just to build off that a bit, you know, as we are expanding and ensuring that everyone has access to the information that they need, 
there will be that uh, additional focus on making sure that that information only goes to those people who need that information. So I think a continued focus on privacy and security. I mean, one of the great things about digital tools is that you can make uh, information available at the click of a button to a lot of people. But of course, that may not always be appropriate. So I think as the capabilities increase and as the user base and the ability to consume this information continues to expand, that focus on ensuring that all of these tools are considering uh, you know, privacy at the national and global levels as well as security to make sure that that information isn't compromised so that people don't lose faith in these tools and we don't go back to some of the old ways of doing business where people are not sharing information effectively and people's health outcomes are being negatively impacted as a consequence. Thank you, Stephen Trinity, for joining us here at JSI for our podcast series. To learn more about JSI Digital Health and the Global Digital Health Network, please go to jsi.com and globaldigitalhealthnetwork.org for more information. Thank you for listening to Voices of Public Health, the JSI podcast.